By the way, if anybody outbid me out there, I'm not going to be happy. One less prayer for you this week. <laughs> Especially on them quilts, man. I saw them two quilts. Like, I wanted one of them quilts. Like, seriously. I'd be mad. Y'all there? Amen. Amen. Jesus came and told the disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Let us pray. Father, I praise you for this church, the people of this church. Um, Father, I'm going to say this word, and I mean it in a good way. We take pride in this home that you've given us. and uh, We just want to honor you with it. And Father, thank you for the people that continue to step up and make sure that it is uh, it's a great home. Uh, Father, thank you for blessing us with it. And uh, we know so many new things are going to come in the years to come. Uh, you're going to continue to add to this place. And uh, Father, I promise you that, that we will do everything in our power to honor you with that and to continue to build your kingdom each and every day. Uh, Father, I just praise you for this past week. Uh, the encouragement that I received uh, from this congregation, from our leadership, going into this sermon today. Uh, Father, this, revel this revelation series that, that we've been preaching, I just want to thank you um, for pushing me, and I know it's pushing our congregation as well. Father, I ask you every day to humble me, and today I'm asking you to do the same. I ask that you humble this congregation through this series, through our lessons, Father, just through life. Father, continue to teach us and guide us and make us stronger so, again, Father, we can continue to build your kingdom in a mighty way. Father, in this moment, I'm asking that you anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Father, you take all my distractions, my lack of confidence, my anger, my pride. Father, you take that away from me. Father, and cast it into the sea and replace it with your joy, your boldness, and Father, again, most importantly, your love. I ask these things, Father, in your name. Help us to love, laugh, and forgive. Amen. Somebody took my handkerchief, by the way. I'm not real happy about that. I'll find it. Today, we're going to continue our sermon series on the book of Revelation. But again, before we get started, as I do every week, I'm going to remind everybody in this room and everybody online, we are not studying uh, this book out of fear. Uh, we are not studying this book to get enamored with the end times. We are simply studying this book to gain knowledge. Amen? Amen. That's exactly why we read the Great Commission before every one of these sermons that is in this series, just to remind us that that is our number one job. We can, we've got to stay focused on that. We've got to continue to stay focused on, on loving people deeply and discipling people. That's what Jesus asked us to do. But he has given us the approval, again, to get into Revelation. Um, before I get started, I'm going to say the same thing I said last week. Uh, everybody in this room needs to understand that everyone interprets Revelation differently. Amen. Even, even your pastor, amen? Okay, I'm expecting grace and mercy when you don't agree with me. 
In the last four weeks of this series, we have covered Revelations chapter 1 all the way through 13. Today, time permitting, I'm going to try and get through chapter 18, 14 through 18 today. Get your Bibles out if you've got them. Follow along, guys. Take notes. It's so important. If you didn't bring your Bibles, number one, shame on you. Number two, put it in your phone, in your notes, and then go transfer it to your Bibles, okay? And one other thing, and Kelsey mentioned this to me a couple weeks ago, and I said something about it last week. Kelsey, my associate, she was telling me, she said, you know, Micah, she said, uh, you know, you're going through this pretty fast. I go back and I watch the sermons on YouTube so I can kind of catch up. So, guys, just to let you all know, we've got a lot of ground to cover with Revelation. We've got two more weeks of this series. So, yes, I am going to move fairly fast. If you miss something, go back, watch it on YouTube. Kyle's always got it up no later than Tuesday. So, you can go check it out there. All right. Uh, I want to pull up the timeline. Bojo actually showed this earlier. This is the one that I showed you guys last, last week, and this is to give you guys a visual review of where we are in the book of Revelation. If you could pull that timeline up for me, please, sir. Okay, we've been through all the way through to the seventh trumpet. Okay, that's where the mark of the beast came last week, number 666. We talked about that. We're fixing to dive into the next part of this, which is going to be the bowls. Okay, uh, need to understand that this book, guys, in Revelation, especially from here forward, it is not written in chronological order. Some of y'all know this. You've studied this book enough. You understand it. But if you hadn't, that's okay, because I'll never forget the first time I walked into a church and got to listen about Revelation. I had no clue. I'm like, man, why in the world is this going all over the place? Okay, John, it's not in chronological order. Revelation is a series of windows that God has opened for John to see. So the question you have to ask yourself every time that you study Revelation is not what's happening next, but what does John see next? Okay, keep that in mind, especially this week because he's all over the place. So let's go see what John did see next where we continue on. We're going to go to 14 verse 1. Then I saw the Lamb standing on Mount Zion. And with him were 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. Obviously, the lamb is Jesus. We know that. Mount Zion is a large hill at the highest point of Jerusalem, guys. It reaches about 2,500 feet tall. The 144,000, that's the same 144,000 that we talked about in chapter 7 a few weeks back. Again, if you didn't catch that, go watch it on YouTube. Uh, now let's jump ahead. I want to go to verse 6. And uh, this is where John sees three angels, 14, 6 through 7. And I saw another angel flying through the sky, carrying the eternal good news to proclaim to the people who belong to this world, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. Fear God, he shouted. Give glory to him, for the time has come when he will sit as judge. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all the springs of water. In verse 6, guys, I want you the eternal good news. I mean, that's, that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we're talking about here. Who is this angel proclaiming this to? He's proclaiming it to everyone. I mean, if you notice there, every nation, tribe, language, and people. So the entire world is who he's proclaiming this to. Um, you know, I, I want to read verse 7 one more time, guys. Fear God, he shouted, give glory to him, for the time has come when he will sit as judge. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all the springs and waters. Okay. Guys, this should be us. 
we should be proclaiming the good news just like this angel every day. I mean, I really want y'all to think about something. I really want you to think about it. Don't lie to yourself, okay? I'm going to ask you a question. I'm not going to ask for any answers, but don't lie to yourself. When's the last time you proclaimed the good news outside of these four walls? When's the last time you proclaimed the good news outside of your home? You see, these four walls in your home, that's your comfort zone, right? It's easy to proclaim the good news there. It's very easy. But when you get out in public, it's a whole different ballgame. You start to get concerned about how somebody may judge you. You get concerned about, you know, what I say, is it going to be accurate? Guys, what I need you to know, there's no wrong way of declaring the good news of Jesus Christ. Every chance you get, you should take advantage of it. Now, now there's a way to do this, guys. You, you, you don't need to just bust in and start preaching at people. I said this last week when we were talking about some unbelievers, maybe two weeks ago, but my prayer is always every day, actually. I mean, I pray this with my kids and my wife every day. God, give us the opportunity to build your kingdom today. Open that door for us to be a witness for you. And it's so crazy, guys, but I promise you, if you pray that prayer every day, he'll just crack a door. He'll just crack a door open all the time. It's crazy. It's just the more I pray for it, the more opportunities I get. Here's the thing. Do you have the courage to step up and do it? We need to be this angel. We need to be proclaiming the good news constantly, each and every day. That's how we create disciples. That's what he talked about in Matthew 28. I mean, that is the Great Commission. So this first angel, he's proclaiming the gospel. I'm going to move on to the second angel. Let's look at chapter 14, verse 8. Then another angel followed him through the sky, shouting, Babylon has fa- is fallen. That great city is fallen. Because she made all the nations of the world drink the wine of her passionate immorality. Babylon is meant to be the nation that practices everything sinful and evil. Okay, back then, that's what that was. And a lot of times, it's actually talking about the Roman Empire a lot of times in, in, in Revelation. But I want you to notice the word she. That's what I want you to notice. They follow him to the sky, shadow of the battle line. Because she made all the nations in the world drink this wine. Okay, she, in chapter 17, you're going to see Babylon is actually portrayed as the great prostitute. We're going to get to that in chapter 17. Here in verse 8, this angel is announcing the judgment that is to come on unbelievers. Now I want to go look at the third angel, and that's verses 9 through 11. Then a third angel followed them, shouting, Anyone who worships the beast and his statue, or accepts his mark on the forehead or on the hand, must drink the wine of God's anger. It has been poured full strength into God's cup of wrath. And they will be tormented with fire and burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the Lamb. The smoke of the torment will rise forever and ever. And they will have no relief day or night. For they have worshipped the beast and his statue and have accepted the mark of his name. This third beast is announcing, or excuse me, this third angel is announcing the doom for unbelievers. So this vision that John's given, you've got three angels there. This last one with doom, 
you may be asking yourself, like, why, why would God do this to, to, to people, to mankind? I need you to understand that he didn't. They did it to themselves. They turned against God. They want to live in evil and darkness. So God simply just gave them what they wanted. You know, <laughs> these, these people, we, we, studying Revelation, guys, we've gone through the four horsemen, those, those demon locusts. Y'all remember them freaky demon locust things that we looked at? The massive earthquakes. All these, all these things that they've gone through, and, and they still won't turn to God. Y'all, God's tried to do everything that he can. And, you know, I said a couple weeks back, you know, God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He doesn't want anybody to face his wrath. He doesn't want that. What father really wants that, right? Like, you know, you hear people all the time, like, you know, I remember my dad, he always said, you know, son, it hurts me more than it hurts you to give you a whooping. He lied, it hurt, you know. But, but the thing, I mean, but now that I'm a father, like, I get that, you know. I get that. I'll tell you a quick story. Annabelle's going to be mad at me. When Annabelle, the, when she was younger, she's a pretty good kid now, but she's pretty bad back then. But anyway, when she was younger, she got in trouble or something, and I went to her, and I told her, I said, Annabelle, I said, you can't do that. I'm giving you a warning. If you do it again, I'm going to have to whoop you. So, so, and by the way, yes, I whoop my kids, okay? Don't spare the rod, okay? I'm all about, never mind. So <laughs> discipline, it's very important, right? So anyway, literally, y'all, like the next day, she did it again. Like, what's wrong with you? So, so I, I remember coming home, and Amanda told me, so she did it again. And I don't even remember what it was now, but she did it again. Whatever it was, it didn't matter. So, so she tells me this, and, and, and all of a sudden, I'm like, I got to go whoop her now. Because I told her yesterday, she did it again, I was going to whoop her. Now I got to go whoop my kid. First time I ever whooped my kid, right? I mean, like, really whoop my kid. You know, we spat the hand up. But anyway, we'll start over. So, so I went and got my belt, and I told Amber, I said, go upstairs, wait for me. She goes upstairs, she waits for me. And all the way upstairs, I'm thinking, I don't want to whoop my kid. Like, that's my baby. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to whoop my baby. And then it hit me. This is what my dad was talking about. It hurts me more than it hurts you. And it does because it hurts her heart. And I ain't going to lie, I got up there and I didn't whoop her. Okay? <laughs> but I'm going to tell y'all what I did. I scared the mess out of her, though. I'm going to tell you what I did. I got up to her. And I said, all right, bend over. And she bent over, and she was on the bed rail. And I grabbed my belt, and I hit that bed rail as hard as I could right next to her. And I leaned over in her ear, and I said, next time, that's going to be your butt. <laughs> and I turned around and walked out, and I was like, God, please don't let her mess up again tomorrow. because I, <laughs> I love you, kiddo. <laughs> there finally comes a point, guys, <laughs> when even the almighty God has had enough, right? Like, and that's what's going on here. God's done all this. He's tried to get them on the right page. He, he's, he's tried to get them in the right direction. He, he keeps sending the, the small things down, guys. Like, that's what you got to understand. All the stuff we've learned about so far, you know, the, the, the demon locust and, 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 the, and, the, and, the, and the, 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 the meteors coming down and, and all this crazy stuff, that's little compared to what we're going to talk about. But again, guys, even at some point, our Father in Heaven has had enough, and He has to discipline. He has to do it. I'll never forget one time, I was playing football. This, this guy's name was Big Jeff. I'm not going to say his last name. Some of y'all may know him. But Big Jeff, he was a big old, uh, you know, like a, 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 a gentle giant, 
I guess is the way we'll put it. He's a good football player, but he's like the nicest dude in the world, right? Like, we just couldn't get him mad. You know, I wanted to get him mad because we got him mad. He was a beast on the football field. Now, at practice, I didn't want him mad because I had to play against him. But, it, you know, football game, we want him to get mad. But anyway, I remember this dude picked on him one day at football practice. Picked on him. Jeff turned around and looked at him. He's like, man, listen, leave me alone. Went about our day, picked on him again. Jeff looked at him and said, man, listen, leave me alone. You, you're making me mad. We got into the locker room. Guy picks on him again. He turned around and looked at me and said, now listen, I done had enough. You got to leave me alone. The next time you do it, I'm, I'm going to get mad. Next thing we know, we hear in the shower something hit on the floor. Bam. We walk in there. Jeff done laid this dude out. He messed with him again. And what was bad was when the kid finally got, like, came to and got on his feet, he was like, man, I can't believe you did that. We said, dude, he warned you four times. And that's what, that's what God, God warns these people so many times, the unbelievers, because he doesn't want them to go to hell, guys. I need you to understand this. The wrath that we're fixing to talk about, it's because of the hardened hearts of these people. Our God does not have a hardened heart. Do you understand? Do you, do you understand? Christian head nods. Thank you. I want to review what these three angels proclaimed. The first one proclaimed the gospel. The second announced the judgment. And the third announced the doom. These angels, again, have set the example of how we should be as Christian brothers and sisters in Christ. And what I mean by that is, is you know, you go and you create a disciple, but you're not done. You go create them, you announce the good news, right? But, but then when they mess up, you, you, you got to go and let them know. You know, you got to teach them about judgment. You got to teach them these things. And then if they continue to mess up, and then all of a sudden that something happens, they make a mistake, and their whole world falls apart, you got to go tell them. This is the doom. Like, guys, the biggest issue that I see in a lot of churches today, they get the Christian, and they get, they get them baptized, and they get them saved, and they quit discipling. Guys, these three angels just set the example of how to disciple. It may sound crazy, but that's what it is. We've got to not only get them there, we've got to teach them about God, and then we've got to warn them about the doom. And we've got to make sure they stay on the right path. That's what these angels are doing. Uh, we're about to move into the two harvests on the earth. I need you to understand these are two completely different harvests, okay? Let's go to Revelation chapter 14. This is verse 14 through 16. We're going to read 14 first. Then I saw a white cloud seated on the cloud with someone like the Son of Man. He had a gold crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Funny story. Don came to my office on Thursday. He comes every Thursday. Y'all know that. And we were going over what I was going to preach on today. And, and, and he said, you know, I told him, I was like, man, I was like, you know who that is because it says like the Son of Man. And he was like, well, it's Jesus. I said, Don, I don't think it's Jesus. He said, why do you think it's not Jesus? I'm like, John knew what Jesus looked like. He said, like the Son of Man. So then John, Don was over here. He was like, no, Mike, you got to understand. just the way he said it. He was like, you know, it looked like the Son of Man. And I said, no, it wasn't the Son of Man. I said, I think it was the Holy Spirit because he looks like the Son of Man. And we argued for about 30 seconds. And, and then we looked at each other and said, it doesn't matter the same people. What the heck are we doing? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? So what I'm getting at, guys, is was this Jesus? You don't know. It could have been the Holy Spirit. But here's what I need you to understand. It doesn't matter. It's one of them, okay? It's one of them. Let's read verse 15. Then another angel came from the temple and shouted to the one sitting on the cloud, Swing the sickle. 
For the time of harvest has come. The crop on the earth is right. I believe in this moment God was showing John a vision of the rapture. That's what I believe. What you think about it? Another angel comes. Shouted to the one sitting on the cloud. Jesus, Holy Spirit, doesn't matter. They're the same, right? And he says, now it's time because here's what's happened. You're believers on earth. It's time to get the ones through this harvest. It's get, let's, let's get them to heaven. Let's get them taken care of. Let's get them protected, okay? Because then you go into 16. So the one sitting on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the whole earth was harvested. Okay, so guys, again, to me, this is what we're trying to describe. This is that rapture. This is, this is him coming out, and he's harvesting, and he's taking all the bad away, and he's bringing all the good with him. Let's go to verse 17 through 20. This is where we're going to get into the second harvest. Two different harvests, guys, okay? Understand this. After that, another angel came from the temple in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. Then another angel, who had the power to destroy with fire, came from the altar. He shouted to the angel with the sharp sickle, Swing your sickle now to gather the clusters of grapes from the vines of the earth, for they are ripe, ripe for judgment. Okay? Not talking about the first harvest. This is the second harvest. Understood? First harvest, I truly believe, is a vision of the rapture. This is a vision of, of judgment. So the angel swung the sickle over the earth and loaded the grapes into the great winepress of God's wrath. The grapes were trampled in the winepress outside the city, and blood flowed from the wine press in a stream about 180 miles long and as high as a horse's rail. Do y'all know how high that is? About right here. So you got blood waist deep for 180 miles. That's a lot of people that are left behind. A lot. Do y'all get where I feel that the first harvest was the rapture and then this one this is the judgment. Again, two separate harvests. Don't let that confuse you guys. I want to move on to chapter 15 and 16. This is where God's final wrath is poured out on earth on the seven bowls of plagues. But before I do, again, we just, we just discussed this, but I need you all to grasp this. I need you to understand if you have reached salvation in Jesus Christ, you will not be facing these horrific judgments we're about to dive into. And you need to thank God every day because it's about to get bad. Verses 1 through 2. Then I saw in heaven another marvelous event of great significance. Seven angels were holding the seven last plagues which would bring God's wrath to completion. Then I saw, if y'all know this, then I saw, I need you to understand, whole nother vision. Y'all can see this is not chronological or we're bouncing all over the place. This is why a lot of times it confuses people when they read Revelation, but once you finally figure out that it's not in that order and this is just different visions that God keeps throwing out at him, you start to understand it a little bit better. The, the, the timeline is going to be all messed up. Verse 2, I saw before me what seemed to be a glass sea mixed with fire. And on it stood all the people who had been victorious over the beast and, in, and his statue and the number representing his name. Okay, so these are the people who made it through 
the tribulation. This is my belief, okay? I, 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 and it could be us as well being raptured up, but these are the people, as you can see, that went through the tribulation. I want to give you a visual of what this looks like. If you could pull up that picture for me, please, sir. Something along these lines. Tons and tons of people. Again, this could be the people that once we were raptured up, okay, then, then they had to stay. And these were the ones that even though, y'all hear this all the time, you know, either you take the mark of the beast or I'm going to kill you, these are the people that said, kill me. Okay? That, that's what I believe. When I read this, again, like I said in the beginning, we all, we all read Revelation different, correct? This is what I believe. I believe this is a different set of people. I believe we are already in heaven. The rest of chapter 15, John has shown another vision of seven angels in God's tabernacle in heaven. They're getting prepared to pour out the last plagues on the earth. I want to pick back up in chapter 16. Let's go look at verses 1 through 2. Oh, then I heard a mighty voice from the temple say to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out on the earth the seven bowls containing God's wrath. So the first angel left the temple and poured out his bowl on the earth. And horrible limit sores broke out on everyone who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped the statue. Do y'all remember when you were a kid and you'd get on your bicycle and you'd take off, especially right after you got your training wheels off, and, and you fail, you're always going to fall, right? Like, you're going to do it. And if you were on concrete, you remember that scrape you'd get on your knee? That, that, that scrape, man, you know, just, just like just barely rips off the skin, right? You know how bad that hurts, right? Like, that hurts. I feel like this, that these sores, I feel like that's what it is, but it's never ending. Never heals. Y'all imagine this? Yeah, that's the good thing about those scrapes. They heal pretty quick, but imagine it never healing. That's what these people are going to go through here. And the mark of the beast, when it says it broke out on everyone who had the mark of the beast, again, this is a Micahism. I'm going to stand away from my Bible, complete Micahism, but I feel like if they had the mark on their forehead or on their right arm, I feel like that's where that sore is, and it doesn't stop. And if it's not that, then it's sores all over the body. It's not going to be pretty. And again, that's why I'm so emotional about the people that will have to go through this. Let's look at uh, verses 3 and 4. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became like the blood of a corpse, and everything in the sea died. Okay, quick question. How many of y'all get sick at the sight of blood? Listen, I ain't the only wuss in here. Yeah. Who gets sick at the sight of blood? Thank you. There's still people lying, okay? <laughs> one, one time I was, I, was, I was slicing up some veggies at the house, and, and, and Amanda, I used to slice them up all the time. I'd come up with a knife, and it'd take me forever. So she bought me a slicer. You know them slicers? You, you know what I'm talking about? One of those things? Yeah. Yeah. So I got, what's it called? Mandolin. Mandolin. Okay. Yeah, I call it the devil. But <laughs> so I'm slicing up this zucchini. And I'm going to town, man, and I'm going through. I'm like, man, this is so much faster. And the next thing I know, and I felt it. 
I didn't even look at it. I looked at the wall. There's blood on the wall. Made me sick. I immediately grabbed a black towel and just put it over my finger, just like this. And I'm walking around. I'm screaming, too. And I'm walking around. And Amanda comes in there, what's wrong, what's wrong? I said, I'm about to die. No, I didn't tell you that. But I was, I was like, I, I literally looked at her and I said, go in there and see if you can fin- find my, my pinky. And she said, what are you talking about? And I said, I, I don't know if it's under this tile. I have no idea. She's like, are you serious? I said, I'm dead serious. She goes in there, looks around. She's like, I don't see a pinky. So then I opened the tile. And I still have the scar. And literally my pinky was split open. Yeah, immediately I went into cold sweats. We, we got one of these old houses, and, and so the air conditioning you was know, on the floor, you know, the vent. I went over, I turned that air down to like 50, and I just sat on that vent and, and just sweat and just sweat. But anyway, so, so I get sick. So what I'm trying to get you guys, that was a terrible story to tell this, but envision, envision, this is what I need you to envision, the whole sea, oceans and sea, is blood. Just this dark red, just a sea of blood. I want you to think about that. If you'll remember in chapter 8, the second trumpet, that second trumpet blast, that that sent a meteor into the oceans and the seas, killing one-third of all the animals, if y'all will remember that. This blood from the second bowl kills all of them, the other two-thirds that is left. So not only do you have this nasty ocean and sea of blood. I want y'all to envision this. If it kills the other two-thirds of the animals in the ocean and the seas, where are they going to go? Going to wash up on the banks, right? How many times you go to the beach and and there's, you know, you walk out one day and there's a hundred jellyfish out there dead that smell? Did you envision this? Not only is it blood, it's the smell of the dead carcasses of these animals being washed up. This is what the people, the unbelievers, are going to have to face. This is God's wrath. Verse 4, Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs, and they became blood. Okay, so here's the thing. Uh, you know, I want you to imagine, you know, after the oceans and the seas are now unhabitable, and, and, and the people turn to the rivers and the lakes because they're like, you know, where am I going to get water? We, we need to get some food. So then they're going to turn there, and then it's destroyed. So, so now they have no water. You say that and you hear it in Revelation. You're like, okay, well, they don't have any water. Yeah, imagine going one day without one drink of water. One day. Some of you may have done it before. It's miserable. Miserable. These people have zero water. And so you know they're sitting there begging for rain, too. Because that's it. That's the, only, that's the only other option they have. I want you all think about this. The oceans and the seas are gone. The rivers and the streams are gone. So now all you can do is look to heaven and beg God for rain. But guess what? It's too late. He's given you every chance to get out of there, and you didn't get out of there. Unfortunately, enough is enough, and now his wrath is being poured down on these unbelievers. He's had enough. Let's look at uh, chapter 16, verse 8 through 11. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, causing it to scorch everyone with his fire. Or excuse me, its fire. Everyone was burned by the blast of heat, and they cursed the name of God, who had control over all these plagues. 
They did not repent of their sins and turn to God to give him any glory. When me and Amanda got married, we went to St. Lucia on honeymoon. And, and the first day I was there, you know, I'm pale. I mean, I'm pale, okay? I got burned up like bad. And, and the bad thing is I remember how sunburned I was, and it was on the first day. Well, you know, you just bought a week honeymoon. You got to go back out to the beach. Y'all know what it feels like to have a sunburn, and then you go back out into the sun, and you pale like me? It hurts, right? Like, that's, that's painful, right? Okay, so imagine this. Imagine the sunburn. Remember those scrapes from the first one? The first, the first angel that poured out that bolt? You know, it was those sores. Okay, so imagine that, a sunburn with no sunscreen, no ointment, no aloe vera, no water. Y'all see this? This is the unbelief. This is what the, excuse me, this is what the unbeliever is going to have to go through. Aren't y'all glad you're a child of God? Amen. It's miserable. Amen. Thank you. It's about time you say something back here. <laughs> and what's worse, guys, they still don't repent. They still don't repent. These people's hearts are hardened so bad, they still don't repent. Let's look at 10 and 11. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom was plunged into the darkness. His subjects ground their, or excuse me, ground their teeth in anguish. And they cursed the God of heaven for their pains and sores, but they did not repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. These people are stupid. The throne of the beast represents the government of the beast. We talked about that last week. Remember, the beast is the Antichrist uh, who will be a one-world government leader. Uh, what this verse is saying is that the Antichrist's entire government will fall, and all the people... And all their pain and sorrow will have nowhere and no one to turn to. So not only are they going through all this, now they have no leader. They have no government. They have no funds. Nothing. They have nothing. It's just them getting cooked by the sun. That's what it is. And again, they still don't repent. How can you do that? Verse 12, the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great Euphrates River and it dried up so that the kings from the east could march their armies towards the west without hindrance. Okay, the Euphrates River, this is where the battle of Armageddon will happen, guys. This is, where it, this is the location, biblically, that this will happen. Uh, the sixth bowl will allow all the armies left on the earth to show up at this planned location. Now we're going to go read verses 16, or excuse me, 17, six, okay, chapter 16, verse 17 through 21. We're going to skip ahead a few here. This is the last bowl. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a mighty shout came from the throne and the temple, saying, It is finished. What was Jesus' last words? Amen. Then the thunder crashed and rolled, and lightning flashed, and a great earthquake struck the worst, or excuse me, struck the worst since people were placed on the earth. The great city of Babylon split into three sections, okay? And the cities of many nations fell into heaps of rubble. So God remembered all of Babylon's sins. And he made her, made her, if we can get there, drink the cup that was filled with the wine 
of his fierce wrath. Verse uh, 19, what would he have, 20 and 21? And then islands uh, disappeared, and all the mountains were leveled. There was a terrible, terrible hailstorm and hailstones weighing as much as 75 pounds. You imagine that coming down? Come on now. Like the biggest hailstorm I've ever been around, I think I, I saw one that was maybe almost the size of a baseball one time. I mean, that thing might weigh, what, three or four pounds? 75 pounds. That's a beast. It fell from the sky onto the people below. They still cursed God because of the terrible plague of the hailstorm. Well, goodness, people, he tried to get you to turn to him. You wouldn't turn to him. It's your own dang fault. So they still cursed him. This is how chapter 16 ends. We're going to move on to 17 now, but real quick, if we have any visitors here today, and I know that we do, uh, we're about to start talking about a prostitute, a dragon, and a couple beasts. Welcome to Christian Wars Church. <laughs> All kidding aside, guys, this is what we have to study on the book of Revelation. For you visitors, I promise we do not talk about stuff like this every single week I assure you now we're going to talk about God's word but we might not be talking about prostitutes and beasts okay uh 17 let's look at verses one and two one of the seven angels who had poured out the seven bowls came over and spoke to me come with me he said and I will show you the judgment that is going to come on the great prostitute who rules over many waters the kings of the world have committed adultery with her and the people who belong to this world have been made drunk by the wine of her immorality. This great prostitute represents the governmental systems uh, that, that, taking, that are taking us away from God. At this point in time in Revelation, that's what we're talking about. Governmental systems trying to separate us from God. She represents the government of man. His government does not worship God. They worship themselves. In short, the prostitute represents all that is evil, demonic, and prideful in the world. Y'all follow me? That's who this prostitute is. This prostitute is all about worldly power. In fact, if you think about it, Jesus says, blessed is the pure in heart, and, and, and blessed the poor, and so forth. And what she says is, blessed the rich and powerful. Okay, that's, that's what this prostitute is trying to explain to them. That, that's what we're getting drunk on here, or the people are getting drunk on. We're not. The people are getting drunk on this. They're getting drunk on power and wealth. It, it, the, the, this kind of like the world today. Am I right? It's pretty sad. I mean, you, you, it doesn't take you long to figure that part out. You, you turn on the TV, you look at your, your, your social media. I mean, that's what's a good guy. Social media is the worst. You get on there, and you, and you got some goober on there that's dancing around, acting a fool. All they're caring about is popularity. They, they want the likes. They want the follows. They're hoping to get paid. I mean, guys, this is what our world is turning into right now. Our world is in bed with the prostitute. That's what we've got, guys. And the church, is, the church has to recognize that. Let's look at uh, chapter 17. I want to look at verse 3 and 4. So the angel took me in the spirit into the wilderness. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that had seven heads and ten horns. And blasphemies against God were written all over it. The woman wore purple and scarlet clothing and beautiful jewelry made of gold, precious gemstones, and pearls. 
In her hand she held a gold goblet full of obscenities and the impurities of her immorality. I don't know about you guys, but when I think of a prostitute, it is nasty. It grosses me out. I need you to understand, people don't even think about at this time, they're not even thinking about this being a prostitute, where she's been or what she's done. Because they're all blinded by her beauty. She is all you could ever imagine, guys. She's the most beautiful and attractive woman, or for you ladies, the most beautiful and attractive man that you've ever seen. That is what this evil prostitute is. Now, here's the thing. Like, the most beautiful woman you've ever seen, you know, Mine's, mine's Amanda. So, so it's, hard, it's hard for me to envision this evil Amanda. You see what I'm saying? But, but guys, this prostitute, this prostitute is everything that you could ever imagine. That's what you're looking at. That's what you're lusting at if you're an unbeliever going through this time frame. But here's the thing. It's not just them. I'm telling you, that prostitute is here now. And again, our world and our country is in bed with her. This prostitute will fool you into lusting for her. She'll be able to blind you of her evil unless you have the Holy Spirit. Check out the last sentence. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait a minute. No, no, no. Hang on. Let me make sure I got that right. Unless you have the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I'm sorry. The first sentence. So the angel took me in the spirit into the wilderness. There I saw a woman sitting on the scarlet beast. Okay, well, the beast, that's evil, right? Guys, if you notice, he didn't see her until he was in the spirit. So here's what I'm trying to get you guys to understand today. This great prostitute that's roaming the earth, she'll fool you. She'll trick you into lusting for because she'll blind you with her beauty. You will not recognize it unless you are anointed in the Holy Spirit. If you don't have Jesus Christ on your side, you ain't going to look, you ain't going to find, this prostitute will fool you daily. You will not be away from her because if you don't have the Holy Spirit, that's what it's going to take, guys. This is proof. This is John saying, he, I had to go in the Spirit into the wilderness to actually see her on the beast. I had to see that she was evil. Guys, this prostitute's sharp now. We have to stay in the spirit to fight the wiles of the devil each and every day. But don't fool yourselves, guys. I need you to understand the power of this prostitute. I assure you, she can get your eyes off Jesus and on her in a second. In a second. Some of y'all are looking at me like, no, Micah, not me. Not going to happen to me. There's no way. Are you better than John? You think you're better than the Apostle John? I want to go look at verse 6. I could see that she was drunk, drunk with the blood of God's holy people who were witnessed for Jesus. I stared at her in complete amazement. Even John was blown away by the way she looked. But he had the spirit. He knew she was evil. Guys, this great prostitute, I mean, her, her whole job, 
and her whole purpose is to get you to turn from God and again lust for her. She offers you false comfort, wealth, and pleasure. But if you take the beast, excuse me, if you take the bait, the beast is going to destroy you. Chapter 17, verse 16. The scarlet beast and his ten horns all hated the prostitute. They will strip her naked, eat her flesh, and burn her remains with fire. Okay. If you fall into bed with the prostitute, you become part of her. You become part of her world. So here when it says the beast devours the prostitute, if you're in bed with her, the beast is going to devour you as well. The, okay, the prostitute, guys, I need you to understand. Okay, so just, just so we're on the right track. The prostitute, okay, is the, or is the world. It's man, okay? That's what it is. It's evil. It's the evil. It's the it's everything that is completely against God. So if you're living in that, it's living in sin, right? That's the prostitute. You just live in sin. You live in sin. Guys, that's, that's what we're talking about here. And what's crazy is, is now we're going back to now in, in the end times where he, the sa- Satan, the scarlet beast, okay, so that's the Antichrist, what he does is, is he destroys everybody. So all the ones that were actually following him, he destroys them, kills all his followers. Did you catch this? Jim Jones said he was Christ. That's an antichrist. What did he do to his followers? The antichrist doesn't care who you are or what you are. He's going to use you to the point that he needs to use you, and he's going to kill you. He's going to take them all out. It's obvious that the great prostitute, again, is roaming the earth today. I mean, I just saw in the news, and this made me so mad, Israel, trying to outlaw the name of Jesus? Good luck with that. Let's see how that works for you. You want to see some wrath? Go ahead. Try that out. And the problem is, is it's right here in our country, guys. Look at our country. You've got abortion that's legalized in places. You've got same-sex marriage, which is as far from the Bible as you can possibly get along with abortion, by the way. You got confused kids, guys. We got kids that think they're dogs and cats and horses. What the crud is going on? You, you got broken homes. And here's the thing. It's in the church, too. You got homosexual churches. Now, guys, I'm going to tell you right now. I've said this before. I, I don't care if, if, if you're gay, if you're black, if you're white, if you're poor, if you're rich. You are welcome in God's house. But we're going to teach you. It's what we're supposed to do. We're going to disciple you. Anybody's welcome in this home. Anybody's welcome in this home. Any sin that you're carrying with you can walk in the doors of this church. But we're not going to let you keep carrying it with you. That's the difference, guys. That's the difference in us. But, guys, the prostitute, she's walked right into the church now. She's dividing churches right and left. She's dividing our country right and left. Y'all, this prostitute is everywhere. That's why she's called the great prostitute. She's everywhere. Guys, I want to close today by asking y'all a question. I'm sorry I did. I went over This question, and I need y'all to take it very serious, and I really want you to think on this question.
How many of you are running around with the prostitute? Don't you seriously think about this question. Don't blow it off, guys. Don't blow this off. I want you to remember, the prostitute is the sin of the world. How many of you are in bed with the prostitute? I've been there. I'll never forget, man, my, my first part of my walk, all I was wanting was worldly things. I wanted money. I wanted a big business. I didn't care about building the kingdom for God. A lot of us have been running around with a great prostitute. If your focus is not on building the kingdom of God, you're running around with a prostitute. That should be your number one focus. Build the kingdom of God and take care of your family. Everything else better be behind that. If it's not, you're running around with a prostitute. That's why I asked you that question today. How serious are you taking building the kingdom of God? We talked about this last week. How serious are you taking? Are you dedicated to it? Are you focused on it? Do you wake up every day? Do you wake up every day and the first thing you think of, man, I got to build God's kingdom today. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because if anybody raises a hand, they might, well, not all of you, but most of you, you'd be lying, okay? Guys, it's, it's what the world does to us as believers. Now, what I need you to understand is that's our flesh, and it is normal. But just like John, you better put the spirit on so you can see when that prostitute's getting in the way of you growing the kingdom. Stay focused on that. Stay focused on it. Don't let worldly things like what I used to be. It was, it was all about business. It was all about money, vacations, homes. That's all I cared about. I wanted to live the life of, of you know, the American dream, right? Not God's dream. I wanted to live the American dream. Guys, don't be that. Don't do that. Focus. Number one, grow the kingdom. Number two, take care of your family. Amen? The good news is, guys, if you turn to Jesus Christ, he'll protect you from the prostitute. The way that you fight the prostitute is the same way Jesus did it with Satan. Call out scripture. Speak the word. Guys, every time I get attacked, I tell him, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You ain't going to stop me. You don't have enough. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Speak it to him. You know, and I'm going to end with this real quick, I promise. But the thing is, I have so many people that tell me, but Micah, I don't remember what chapter and what verse. It doesn't matter. He says, speak the word. I need you to understand, when these, when these people, when they wrote these books that are in here, there were no chapter and verses. Just speak the word. Speak the word to him. And again, focus on the ones that you know you can remember. Focus on the ones that will hit him right in the heart. Again, no weapon against me will prosper. Nothing. Nothing forged against me will ever prosper. And I can do all things. All things. Not just some things. All things. That means kicking the prostitute out of my home, out of the church, out of the community, out of this country. Amen? All things. Have that focus when she comes at you and she attacks you. Because guess what? She's going to do it when you walk out of this church today. It's going to happen. Speak the word to them. Give them God's word. That'll stop her.
Guys, also, I need you one, one more thing. God's forgiven us. If we have been the ones that have lived with this prostitute, God's already forgiven you. Amen.